So when we would lift, we could watch Iron Mind weightlifting videos. So anyone under what? 30 yeah, 25 yeah, it's like this old vhs classic. is essentially like how you spread a video content yeah, back in the day before like the internet existed yeah when we were in high school we would wheel around tvs and that's how we so we would literally have this cart come in we would put it in the weight room and you put in a vhs and we could watch the iron mind videos What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Garage Strength Podcast, where we help you achieve or become a master of sport. Yeah. Earl, how are you doing? Doing well. I got a new shirt today. What Singapore. is it? It's a video game. Did you say Singapore? Well, yours does. So <laughs> I was like, it's a, it's a survivor, survival horror video game. This is only the third time I've worn this, so this is. Sort I like of that new. jersey. Yeah, this is, is it a sweet. basketball or is it a track and field one? Track. We had a Singapore shop put her come here for like a month. Oh, cool! So she she gave me this and then a whole bunch of ramen, like a week's nice. worth of ramen. Yeah, it was the, very. My youngest loves ramen, dude. I haven't eaten ramen for like it's delicious probably 10 years and i ate it like literally five days in a row then yeah it's wonderful it, it was extremely good you know talking about coaches we're going to talk about the best coaches in the world today Ooh, the best at, in the world or at least an idea of the best it's kind of subjective so would uh, i'm assuming i would be number one trevor would be number two in garage strength <laughs> you are definitely number three at this point <laughs> we have this going trevor is definitely the the gold standard of state champions victories developing it's like, funny you said uh trevor's boy uh javen's back in the gym he's uh back home for oh. a break I, I wanted to share Doesn't that with he, you Jaden plays football though too right so so he's at penn state right now yeah so I wanted to share this with you where all of these kids are home, like like power five football players. Yeah, these Rutgers, are the like Penn 12 to, yeah. through 15-year-olds who are now who are now twenty early yeah, adults. 19. And like, dude, they come home, they have 10 days off for a break, and they just want to come in and lift and like hang yeah. out. It's like, dude, it, it, to me, that's such a great example of what cult, like we've talked about culture in the past, what culture can create, like just that work ethic. Like I, I've got... 10 days I can go home and chill, or 10 days I can go home, oh, I'll just go to the gym and get beefed up. I think you're saying something about the best coaches create a good culture probably in there somewhere. Yeah, true. Trevor, good job with Javen. Yeah, there's there's the nugget. Yeah, perfect. Ooh, gold, go mine it. <laughs> I was just out, what, Denver area? I oh, so you see. were mining. I you wasn't. Were actually panhandling like, or doing no, like, the panhandling stuff? No, not at all. I went hiking. I went and saw some rock and roll concerts at that Red Rock Amphitheater. Oh, that's cool. That place is cool. Um, yeah. I wanted to go see the Nuggets play, but they were in Phoenix while I was out there. Oh. I was like, oh, I'm going to go watch a basketball. Didn't happen. Yeah. All right. Everybody, imagine you have a wealth of talent. And on top of that, you're a hard worker. You go into the gym or you go out on the field and immediately the coach rubs you the wrong way. They insult you before they even build that rapport to take it like a buddy. Because, you know, you have buddies and buddies can make fun of one another. That's why I can tell Dane his biceps are small. <laughs> um, they belittle the weight you have on the bar. They have you doing high intensity, high volume the day before the competition. You find yourself questioning everything the coach offers. You ask yourself, why can't my coach just be like Andy Reid or 
Dr. B. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So we're talking about good coaches, and in there was kind of like some of the things maybe a bad coach might do, or For maybe sure. you like something like that. Like you like someone who's immediately going to start trying to push your buttons. It, it depends on an athlete, I would say. But, Dane, let me hear you weigh in on this. I mean, I, I think when you were describing that right away, that attacking mentality, I think I think you can only do something along those lines if you've if you have like let's say this athlete, their best friend goes and trains or has been on the team and now you join that team and then you know, then like there's a little connection where they're like chumming around with the friend and then they sort of pick on the new guy. Okay. And I think that that's okay to a point. But I, for me, it's like um, if I have somebody come in the gym, at least like this is me personally, if I have somebody new come in the gym, the main goal is one, find out who they are and sort of get in their, their face actually right away. Like, who are you? What are your goals? What do you want to do? And then, all right, <clears throat> this is who you are. This is what you want to do. All right, this is what we're going to do for a training session today to get you to achieve those goals. So I think clarifying and providing like the the very strict expectations as a coach is much more important than belittling and 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 trying to and maybe this example where you just gave are they belittling to show dominance or are they like just sort of pestering them just to like little alpha personality going yeah on yeah in, and in I there. think like dude I'm someone who does pester kids a lot. But I also try to back that up with telling them how good they did with something or or uh, provide some sense of like a, a positive affirmation on the back end. So I think like it's, it's yeah, but when you pester, it's more like you can do that better. It's not like you suck. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I think like you can't attack you can't attack character. And, yeah, and like that's like the big aspect. It's funny because I was thinking. Um, there's a coach that I've been in contact with that I'm talking to about potentially being when we create try to create a combine uh, prep being like a field athlete or a field coach. Basically, they would do all of the field work and he's had guys go to the NFL, but he's also been fired from two jobs for that for belittling character. And I think that that's like one of the biggest like red flags that you really have to be aware of is like. Dude, you shouldn't attack somebody's character and, and basically tell them that they're a bad person because their weight on the bar is too yeah. low or, or anything along those lines. You're not strong enough, therefore you uh, don't deserve my respect. Right, yeah. like that. I don't think that that's okay. Yeah. Come on, you can do better, though. You yeah, can you can do, do better, better, and this is what I expect from you. I... I, I don't know. I, I think that that's like the it's it goes back to right off the bat when a kid walks in the gym, you have to clarify what do they want, and then how are you gonna how are you gonna expect them to do certain things so that you can help them get what they want. It always comes back to to getting them what they want. Um, one of the questions I had is I feel like everyone can think of a bad coach, yeah, or at least someone who rubbed them wrong. Yeah, they may not necessarily be like bad based off like. The quantifiable data or something like that but everyone can think of a coach that like rubbed them wrong mm -hmm. if they played sports i should say um everyone can probably think of a good coach too like what sure. they liked about him i would say very few people can think of a great coach though yeah um mainly because 
to be exposed to a great coach requires being at elite levels a lot of times or being part of like elite programs, like winning programs. Yeah. Um, and not everyone has that experience for sure. Um, but I guess what is it though that makes a coach great? I think it's like mainly goes back to consistent, consistent like stability and being able to always foster an environment long term that just sort of breeds like, you know, this. Let's say you have a group. Let's say use college for an example. You've got kids for five years, basically. If I have kids only for five years, you know, that's not a long time to develop something. But if we have a culture established that as, as these kids move through the five years, there's always just this consistent cycle that comes in. And they they have an understanding of like plug and play with other coaches. They have a they have a consistent understanding of managing moving pieces. Again, going back to this clarifying what you expect from everybody on a regular basis. Um and I, I think that all of those things play a major factor. I'm thinking like there's a, a field hockey team actually between where you and I live, Emmaus. They've won the District 11 title like 30, 30 girls times. Team yeah, women's the field team. hockey. Yeah, and, and they've won like – it's like 20 state titles. And PA is very good, very competitive with field hockey. But the difference is the woman who's been the head coach, she's been there since like 1986 or 87. I was going to say, I think they were like winning titles when we were in, in school for grade sure. School. Yeah. And my understanding, my wife has interacted with her, is like she's always on the cutting edge. And she's, you know, like 60 or 62 right now. And I think that that's another big factor is that the, the ability to always look for another, for another challenge that they're, that they, they're always looking for a way to improve their their and like system, grow. yeah, and grow and 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 then they know how to find where they can grow and then replace that with with these new things. So part of my question with that though too is like when you do these higher level things, especially in a team sport, you do need the athletes to pull it off sometimes, right? right? right. Like, I to say it. Like, you can't play. I know this is a little absurd, but you can't play basketball like the Golden State Warriors if you don't have Steph Curry on the right. team, right? Yeah. Like, you can't do that even though the sacramento kings are trying to do it and had success this year um how much does i guess from a team sport how much does like talent play off of that then too i think um, it goes but that that would that's where you would see like with a great coach is your system shouldn't your system can determine what athletes you have but i also think that there's a point where you have to be dynamic so that if you have a specific athlete coming up and you see this individual athlete come through then you can say all right we've got to alter our system to really highlight and bring this individual out okay and i, and I think it's like being able to do that as well like as especially on a team sport it's like you can identify what specific athletes you need but if you, you know, let's say you go, you, I don't know, you're at the NFL level or something and you go to another team and as a coach, but there's a, a stud athlete that doesn't necessarily fit into your exact system, you can still modify that so that you can pull that individual out and, and get them to blossom still within your system. And I think that that's like, I, I think that's, you know, using the field hockey example, I think that's what that woman does most likely. I don't know her for sure, yeah. like inside and out, but I'm assuming that to be successful for that long, 
you've got to be able to play with those pieces. And, dude, her athletes are no different than the athletes at other schools. Yeah, especially at the high school level. Like, They're there's all... no way you're getting the studs. Every, and it's a not, how to say it, that school district is a public school district. Yeah, it's the same. So it's not like they're saying come here from like a district over or something right. like that to bring right. anyone in. And there's a lot of other schools in the area like Parkland that are just as yeah. dominant at other sports. So like I think I think it comes back to but I think ultimately it comes back to stability. It's like if you're constantly providing a stable environment that's supportive, then you you can sort of continuously build on top of that. But if you're not supportive, and you're not stable, you know, you, you, you're losing coaches all the time or you're losing um, maybe athletes are quitting all the time, well, then you're not going to – you can't build upon anything. Yeah. I think that's the one thing with the, the best collegiate football coaches is like, dude, their turnover rate for like assistant coaches or offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, because these guys are always getting new job offers. They'll go get a job somewhere else to become a head coach. There's turnover with employees based off of like just – personnel on the football field like so a head coach to be a very good a very winning head coach and have to manage 110 18 to 24 year old yeah. males <laughs> then manage all those coaches and then manage the personnel who are having to like watch film and all that stuff like the, you're more about a manager like a, a personality manager than you than you are about like strategic focus really yeah so so just like quick summation you talked about in the beginning, like being clear mm -hmm. with, hey, these are the goals. This is what you tell me you want. This is how we're going to get there. Accountability then to what is said in that conversation. Um, the other thing you've been touching on a lot is stability and structure within all that. So like you show up on a Wednesday, you know what's expected of you as the athlete. Um, and the coach provides that, if you will. There, it could be a Sunday and you know what you're yeah. supposed to be doing. Right. Um, and just that info's there, if you will. Um, let's talk about more personal experiences. I was also going to say also accountability. Okay. That they're they're very good at. Uh, and let me share one more here of calling of, you on your BS. No, no. Uh, uh, of, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let me. I'll be quick. Nick. So Nick is Nick's at Penn State, and he's come in five times the last week. Okay. His coach James Franklin, very winning coach always says if you're not 10 minutes early, you're five minutes late. He says that all the time. And Nick showed up to training like three days in a row, like 15 minutes late. So I just kept saying to him, if you're not, if yeah. you're not 10 minutes early, you're five minutes late. So today is his last training session, and I had texted him that. He shows up 10 minutes early to the training. And I think that you know where I'm going with this, and I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but I felt like Franklin actually held – Nicholas accountable to show up to training today at garage strength because he know one, he knows that I can text him and I can tell him that Nick's showing up late to training Two, I send Franklin videos. So it's like, there is some accountability in that sense. But three, if Franklin's saying this message all the time to his athletes, you've got to do this. You have to show up early. You have to hold yourself accountable. And, and that, that sense of accountability that leads to, it, it leaks to other areas yeah. of you got to lift and you got to be focused on your lift. You got to be focused in class. You got to do all all the stuff you're supposed to do to be an elite athlete. Yeah, it's like a sign I saw. It's like integrity is what you do when no one's looking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, all right, well, I'm not at Penn State anymore in this. Like, oh, yeah. like, you know, but hey, 
are you like is you still using that you still using that mindset still going through there right how's the system bleeding out into the rest of your life too? yeah because, exactly um let's talk let's get into more personal stuff then too about you um for, and i wanted to ask uh who's like your first great coach experience with your relation to them as a learner on how to coach who would you credit that with and like what is it you learned or like what were the three things you were like all right this is what i took away from that coach Mm, that's a good question because i think i think my high school the guy who was like our high school strength coach was like the first guy that he would he would sort of like almost bring me under under his wing and be like i'd ask all these questions and you know he had he had an iron mind uh vhs on training um of weightlifting so when we would lift we could watch iron mind weightlifting videos so anyone under what 30 yeah, 25 yeah, it's like this old vhs classic. is essentially like how you spread a video content yeah, back in the day before like the internet existed yeah when we were in high school we would wheel around tvs and that's how we so we would literally have this cart come in we would put it in the weight room and you put in a vhs and we could watch the iron mind videos and he would have uh like um powerlifting usa magazines um and my dad even too would let us get like flex or muscle fitness at the from the magazine racks i don't know if you remember the magazine racks that used to be in like the the supermarkets like we were always allowed to get like one of those so i think that that was my first like strength coach experience i think as far as um for me to learn from i think i i would think probably who I asked the most questions to outside, you know, that would be, that was at an early age was yeah. like Mr. Yoder. And then as I got through it, as I got through training in the collegiate level, it's funny when you said this, I did want to bring this up. I never really had a really bad coach. I was lucky in the sense that like I had, I did have a very, very manipulative coach. I can't imagine you never had someone you butted head, did not Dude, butt heads with. My only thing is coaches always love me because I always did what they wanted me to do. Like, I always, I always was just the guy who would show up. I would lift. I'd train. I'd, I'd, I'd do all the extra sessions. I'm dead serious. Like, I was never overly challenging. Um, I know that sounds wild coming from me. But I never really challenged coaches. But there, there was one coach I had who was unbelievably good at getting a group together when I had him, and we were, you know, very good at the sport that he coached. But he was also very good at manipulating you to do things that you should not have been doing, like um, nothing bad as far as you know sexual things or anything like that. But more so like cutting too much weight. Oh, I know what sport it is. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Getting into, you know, and then like, and then manipulating kids to go to certain weight classes just so that this other kid could get in down here. And it's like, looking back on it, I didn't, I didn't really fully understand what he was doing, but at the same time, he was really good at teaching you like how to set goals and how to do like the right things like that. Yeah. But it was more around, I want to say it, the, the power skills of like setting goals. Yeah you know putting the work in to achieve the goals good stuff the stuff that actually went into winning yeah it was like yeah 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 not so necessary maybe looking back on it right right 
I think though, like when going off of what what you were saying or what you were asking, I think ultimately for me, the best coach I ever had was what. What's funny is the best coach I ever had was Doctor B. In the sense, oh, that's that, who I wrote here. That's who I thought you would answer. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Doctor B. In the sense of being very open minded and and telling you like how things would play out. Is this you as an athlete? Yeah, me as an athlete, and then also trying to learn from him. But one thing I will say is, like, he was such an, I don't know if I, endearing, but, like, well, he's endearing to a point, but he's also, like, just in, an impressive person that when you're talking to him, you just do it. You just, like, he just, this is the path we're going to take. This is how it's going to happen, and th- and you just go. And then you can ask him questions along the way, but there, nothing will change, but you can ask him questions. But the one thing I would say that as a young coach, you can't do that because you haven't you haven't established like that pedigree or or that that uh, arsenal of good athletes. You know, by this. Yeah, point, there's no appeal to authority yet. Like, yeah. Whereas when I got to him, you know, he had already had multiple Olympic champions, multiple you know, dozens of world record. Yeah, holders. It's not me. It's you type of thing with him. Like, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So it's like you didn't you just did it, you know, and I think that one area that young coaches do struggle with is like you've got to be way more adaptive to different coaches or to different athletes than someone like Dr. B. Now, ideally I get to the situation in my life when I'm 75 and if I'm coaching, people just listen to me and they don't challenge me. And if they want to challenge me, they challenge someone who's like underneath me as another coach, because I just won't have the energy. And I think that was also Dr. B saying he wouldn't have the energy to meet with you and listen to your life struggles. He was just there solely to coach you as a thrower. And I think that that's like a, um, that's one thing that I think it's important to, to sort of differentiate that um, from coach to coach. Got it. Um, What did you uh, like about Dr. B from a coach's lens? Like when you're like, I know where you kind of had it in the back of your head, even though you're like the athlete there. I want to coach someday. Yeah. What are you like as you're watching him? What are you trying? Like, what are you getting from him? What are you trying he, to get out of it? Persistence, just relentlessly persist, persistent. Dude, it was like, no, you did this wrong. Okay, now do that again. Okay, now you have to do it again. Okay, now you have to do it. And and to a point of it feeling like, to a point of making you feel awkward that you just had to continuously do it again. Like, let's say, like, no, put your right foot here. Okay, put it here again. Okay, put it here again. A lot of coaches get uncomfortable just constantly saying the same things and the same cues. And he would have, like, two or three cues for months on end. So he wasn't long-winded in, like, his corrections. No, it was always, like, every once in a while, he'd be like, look, if you do this and then you do this, then this goes away. But you're doing this and this, which causes that. And you want to fix that, but you need to fix these two things. Done. And it would just go back to those same two cues again. And I think that that's like one area that I see that coaches struggle with is they almost feel like they almost get into an awkward scenario where they don't want to just keep telling people the same thing or they don't want to hold them overly accountable to that point. Um, But that's the biggest. I think that was like for me, the most eye opening thing was like, no, you have to do this like this way, execute it this way, otherwise nothing's going to change. And I think that 
I think that that's like the best lesson that I learned was like, it's okay to just keep hammering the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And dang the torpedoes at the athletes. Like, aren't you going to tell me anything else? Well, no, cause well, not yet. Yeah. We need, this there's a progression. Before, yeah. Everything comes from this. Yeah. Um, you, just as an aside, you can see that a lot on what are called like internet, Reddit, discord, comments yeah 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 like someone coaching yeah they're always like over explaining like look how much i know right verse no this is what you have to do like yeah no it's just this that yeah just do this just yeah it, it just it's it's very it's usually very simple like if you need a dissertation on it then you're probably you probably actually don't clearly see it yeah and i think that's the one thing too is like when when you're dealing with a really good coach they see things so clearly that I mean, dude this is a great example today i'm yeah. you know I, with sam i'm talking to him and i was like sam when you open level you sweep better to the middle and when you sweep better to the middle your left is faster to the front and he's like dane we've been saying this for like six months <laughs> and i'm like yeah i know but i just it just like for me it was like this huge light bulb moment and and sam's like at the same time, like he sort of mocked me that he was saying the same thing or that I was saying the same thing, but he was also like, yeah, no, you're right. That is all we have to keep doing. Like there's nothing else we need, yeah. we need to work on. It's the repetition with just about anything. Like what do they say? Quantity leads to quality. Yeah. Like the more you do it, the quality things will come out with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Or if you're like, let me just focus on quality. It's like you kind of end up creating like garbage. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, Dr. B ever have you do single leg squats? No, but he did have us do step ups. Step ups? Yeah. He loves step ups. So he loves step ups. And that's and probably because he didn't have a single leg roller with a foam balance pad to he use. He did not have access to garagestrength.com, which is where you can pick up the single leg pad and roller so that you can light up your posterior chain. Just like the the box step up? Would that do that too? Or is it more? That's uh, more quad, I would say, but quad. a little bit of glutes as you're driving up. Yeah. I always found with the box step up, and no disrespect to the movement, the leg you're supposed to be using more. It's like 60, 40. Yeah. Max. You yeah. just, you end up using the, it's, it's tough to like make your body not use the other I think, leg. I think it comes back to like a, it's more of the eccentric loading where you're going to see the strength. That balance. makes sense. Then why you uh would program it with eccentric, like slow eccentrics on it. Yes. Yeah. I, I got you, Dave. <laughs> Um, let's talk about a second coach you got to work with or someone you worked with who had an impact like after Dr. B. So more when you were like established, if you will, like you've now had, like you have international athletes, like you people like in your field of coaching, like other coaches know who you are. People respect you. Who's someone, I guess maybe currently even then too, who you work with, not someone you haven't met or deal with who you would like on air say like, Hey, they impact me. They have an influence on me. Um, good weightlifting or throwing or I thought you'd talk about a weightlifter, but I don't want to, I was going to say Brian Seacrest. Okay. I don't know if that counts or Kevin. No, is either that counts. Like, yeah, I would say, and then what is it about them from like what you see, how they deal with the athletes or heard from their athletes that make them, strong and successful and then you as a coach what you see from them that makes them you know impactful and 
I think that the thing with Brian Seacrest is like, so he coaches at Vero Beach, and again, it goes back to like, can you see, you know, is this is this coach going out and recruiting other people to come to their gym? Is this coach, or or is this coach developing people from a very you know pretty normal area, um, and just continuously has people on the come up who are from his his local gym, like like you know from a very specific yeah it's one thing area. to like be uh i'm gonna say it like through the wires if you will yeah, right yeah, like you can yeah. just connect through the power lines and right. like all right come here verse i am geographically limited yes and this is what i can do yeah because just personal earl thing here i think the true underground like if you're into underground yeah is all local at this point and it's not on the internet 100 yeah yeah that's f- accurate like if you're For on sure. the internet finding stuff it, there's it's, there's a little things at play. Yeah, I I do agree with that, and I think that I think that's the thing with Brian. He's one of those guys. He's like, he'll even tell you, I'm not a good marketer. I don't care about telling people how good I am. I don't, you know, I mean, he's not gonna come out and say it that way, but he's like, I'm just coaching, and whoever walks in my gym, I'm gonna make them good. And it's like, that's one thing that I think is, I think a a good quality to have. Um, you know, he's not to knock myself, but he's not selling eBooks. He's not selling, he's not doing YouTube videos or anything like that. Now the the cool thing is with him is like talking to him about movement patterns. He's always talking about leverage. And I actually asked him recently, like what's like one or two things that you think every weightlifting coach needs to know. And he's like going on about longevity of development. But then he's like, dude, leverage, man. Like, like people don't understand how levers work and where the lever, almost like a lever arm could be for the trunk versus where that could be around the knees. And, and I feel these. like Jake would like this guy a lot, how he used to talk about Jake's like limb lengths. Oh, yeah. yeah. Relative to his squats and how yeah, like yep. because the lever was longer, it required more force and power to 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 move the bar. Yeah. And I think that that's like the, the one thing that's a big factor for me with Brian is like how he sees movements. And so I'll send him a lot of videos of Haley um, and certain things that she's doing right now with her feet. And, and so literally every single day in training, I'll, I'll send him videos because we're trying to sort of flesh out some issues with her feet. We're trying to flesh out some positions getting into the hip. And it's like, hey, I just want to see what do you think about this? Um, so he's definitely someone. I, and I don't, you know, I'll send stuff to, to other coaches, um, Will Fleming or or kevin simons to sometimes uh but brian's the one that i i spend the most time talking to even to the point where i have a box with him and it's like he and i talk or you know quite a bit dan maroney's another one that i will i will also share stuff with quite a, a bit but brian's the one that i continuously go back to the most so if i heard you right he, brian has almost influenced the way you look at movement yeah for sure um and I don't want to say change your lens, but widen your lens yeah. and how you can analyze and like do technical analysis and stuff like He's that. He's never said this to me, but I'm going to try and demonstrate this with a pen. Okay. When he says levers, I kept watching in the snatch. Like to me, it's almost like if this is the head and this is the hip. All right. Dane has a pen. Yeah, for those of you yeah, listening. Yeah, so if you're not if you're not and watching, it's on like a 45 degree angle about. And if you're doing roughly. a snatch, the the chest and the the hip should rise together like this. Yeah, so as it rises, like as your legs would stand up, that kind of stays stationary that angle. Yeah, and now if you think about the the chest uh-huh. as the lever arm, 
that then turns like this and then that leads to this so it's more like a pendulum so instead yeah. of thinking of, of the or, hip as or, the or a trebuchet maybe okay yeah yeah no i i get what you're saying and and so this comes up this goes here and it adds this acceleration into the hips as well so it's like so and instead of thinking of the hips moving, you think you can think about the chest. Yeah, the chest is staying still and swinging it. And so I he gotcha. he always says, "Think about the chest coming up more." And for the longest time, they're like, "Nah, I don't like that one." But finally, I started to use that a little more with Haley. And I think I think you still should cue the hips. I think you still should cue a flat foot. But I looked at it as like now I'm starting to. I feel like I'm starting to see the way he sees it's the like letters. A, the way I'm thinking of it now is like you see those like old like a fantasy medieval movie and yeah, they're yeah. taking the like ram into the like yeah, crash down the door exactly like that and it, well it, what what reminded me of this is like I look at throwing as a trebuchet that's how that's how you're essentially trying to finish the throw with the left side of your body accelerating really quickly grounding slamming on the brakes and then your right side comes around. And so I could see it for from throwing because I had you know just looked at it that way for quite a while, partially influenced from Dr. B. But then when Brian was explaining that from the floor to the knee and then mainly from the knee to the hip and what the lever of the, the chest can do, that's when I was like, oh, shit. Now I think I finally see through. I think this is important. I think it's important to try to see through a movement lens of another coach. Mm -hmm. So like some coaches will see certain things very clearly and they might not see other things. And, and that was something for me that I did not see for the longest time. But now that I can, I feel like I can see similar to the way he sees things. And then if I watch one of his lifters, I can almost see it in his lens as well and say like, yo, this is what you're, this is why, you know, your athletes shouldn't be doing a squat jerk and they should be doing split jerks, Brian. <laughs> I, f I don't know his athletes, but I I'm sure there's... She's really good, and she she's split jerking now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, there's definitely something in there. Um, I guess my next question then is, uh, who's a coach you've never met in any capacity or maybe you read about them or you just think through seeing them where you're like... I want to emulate that in some way oh, or you man. see out there. And I have Bill Belichick. I had three examples written down. Yeah. I, I would say Bill Belichick. That be was my one, one that I thought you would say. Yeah. But I, and I think like, I feel like Belichick's though, like only as good as Tom Brady, but anyway, oh, get the hell out of here. <laughs> um, I would say Belichick, but I also think like, no, I, unless you give him some responsibility for dude, that Ravens team. Oh, like way back. Because they were the Browns before they were the Ravens, and I think yeah. he was involved in in, the, in creating the defense. Who ended up being yeah. what it was. But I could be wrong there. Because um, I think there's other coaches who have done it with more teams and more people. So so this is the one thing I think that I'm I'm the first big critic of football coaches, but I do think, and I, and I want to share this because I've spent time with James Franklin, and a lot of people don't like him, but it, it like, which... I first of all don't understand because he wins ten games every year, and he's won the Big Ten as well. Um, but seeing how they manage all of those, you know, I know I talked about this a little bit earlier, how they manage all these moving parts, and even to the point where DJ has sort of pressured me to set up our business meetings more the way I describe Franklin's meetings. And right now I'm reading this like senior leadership. I teams. was reading the, the Dude, cover it's a good, of it. It's a very very good book. You would love it. It's so good. 
but I see things that I'm reading in that in how Franklin runs stuff. And I think that that's where with Belichick, it's like everything, everything has a purpose. It has an intent. Everybody has expectations on how they're supposed to be conducting themselves within their job. And then on top of that, you've got to just, you know, execute as well as you possibly can, or otherwise you'll be held accountable. And I think that setting up those, those systems are, it's really crucial because if you set that stuff up and it can take care of itself, if that, that, you know, that huge you like organization autonomy within it. Yeah. Then you, how you, then you can get better with strategy. And I think that like, that's where I would think I'm trying to think about another coach that I would want to, that I, I have two others from two very different sports down. If you want me to throw, I would say there. Kale Sanderson would be one. I had Dan Gable. in Okay. There. Yeah. So, so Gable, I would say, or, Dan, uh, or I would actually probably prefer, I don't want you just saying everyone who coaches at Penn state. No, the, no that's fair. <laughs> the other problem is I've also met Sanderson and I've seen his practice and how yeah. he runs practice. So I haven't seen how Dan Gable would run a practice, but that would be another coach for sure. And then I, the other one I have, I think, I don't know. Uh, Steve Kerr. Ooh, that'd be, that'd be, you know, I've seen press conferences that he's done. And been like, dude, this guy's legit. Like, so the other thing I don't about, know enough about about him as a coach. Steve Kerr, um, based off like Splash Brothers, right? Golden State, like yeah. game sort of changed, right? How basketball yeah, yeah. played totally now. changed. So like, where there's a lot of great basketball coaches, right? Like Phil Jackson's great. Like yeah. uh, Popovich is great. Like right. there's a lot of them. But like Steve Kerr, essentially the way he coached his team, and the way the roster was set up within the organization, like the game of basketball, like paradigm shift, right, right, with how it's played now. Like, so that, there's that element to him as well, too. Yeah, and I think that 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 would be uh, uh, for sure, especially because I I don't know, I follow basketball very slightly, but I I. I would say even just seeing his press conferences, I've enjoyed how his his presence is, you know, and how he how he speaks to people. I think it's I think that's another factor is like you can learn how someone thinks to a point based off of how they're communicating with people. Um, you can see how cerebral they might be. You can also see how quickly they can flip a switch. Uh, but, yeah, I would. Does he have a book? I should read his book. If I don't like. know. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I'd have to go search the internet and be told <laughs> yes or no. Yeah, that's funny. Um, do you want to do some overrated, underrated? Yeah, let's go. Overrated, underrated. I'm ready. All right, I gotta, I gotta clean my hands. Right, dude. Seven people seconds. love the the hand. People love the hand thing. No, they don't. They hate it. I the football players this afternoon were actually talking about rubbing their hands for seven seconds to clean them. Yeah. Oh man, don't listen to Dane. He's making that stuff up. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're gonna like end up with diseases because you're not <laughs> bathing properly. Um, overrated, underrated. Andy Reid. Oh. <laughs> oh. Guess it's a matter of who you ask: Kansas City fans or Eagles fans. Okay. <laughs> you are struggling mightily with yeah, this. I'm struggling because I. The thing I never liked about him in Philly was like clearly you're an Eagles fan. Nah. <laughs> I, I and I know this is not on him as much as it is on his front office, but you had a QB 
and you had a running back that were savages and you spent one year getting T.O. and you saw the results that happened and you never gave McNabb any other weapons. And I, and I know that's not entirely on him, but it was always something I'm like, dude, you have an animal as a QB. And I honestly feel like when he went to Kansas City, he's like, if we have an animal QB, which we have, we've got to put weapons around them. And that's exactly what he did in Kansas City. And now they're amazing. Now, so I haven't answered the question. Yeah. Uh, I think earlier in his career, 100% when he was in Philly, overrated. But now I don't think you can argue. I don't think I can say he's. I can't believe you just said Andy Reid was overrated. When he was in Philly, for sure. Oh, my goodness. Now I would say he's rated accordingly. (laughs) Who who was the quarterback before Mahomes? Wasn't it like. Uh, No, they had uh, Andy or Alex Smith. Smith. Alex Smith. And he would. They'd win 12, 14 games in seasons, too. I I don't know how long he was there with Andy Reid. I, yeah, I'm just. It might have only been a year or two. Now, granted, Alex know. Smith was a number one draft pick. Yeah, too, he was right? legit so, too. It's not. I don't. I can't believe you said Andy Reid's underrated. <laughs> no, overrated. Overrated. When he was in wow. Philly. When he was in Philly. Cop out. All right, overrated, underrated. He had McNabb was every Philly record. All right, that that will get broken by Jalen Hurts, but. You ready for this one? Yeah, Greg Popovich. That's a. I mean, I don't know enough about basketball, but I would say he's he's. I wouldn't want to know how many titles he's won. A lot. Then he's then he's rated accordingly or underrated. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know enough about him. That he has a book. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I think he's the guy from San Antonio, right? Yeah. 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 I think from all of my very minimal basketball study, I've always yeah I've never disliked anything I've seen from him. So. All right. Rated accordingly. All right. And he had what Tim Duncan. I just saw Tim Duncan doing something ridiculous, like trying to fight, like pretending to fight Conor McGregor or something. Wow. That must have looked real yeah, silly. Because he's so big. Yeah. Tim Duncan's like a giant, yeah. right? Like he's six ten, seven feet tall. Like, right. And it's like, here's this like bantam weight, feather weight, whatever weight yeah, class he is. Yeah. He's probably five, six. Yeah. Max. Come mess with me, bro. See what's up. Overrated, underrated. <laughs> Kale Sanderson. Oh, <laughs> that's terrible. Underrated. What? He's Why is he underrated? underrated? Look at how many national titles he's won. He's won like 10 in the last freaking 11 or 12 years. All right. He's underrated for the sense that he's he's like, what, 44 or 47, something like that. He's not even 50 yet, and he's won as many national titles as some of the best coaches of all time. I bet he still beats all the gold medalists. In that oh room yeah, too. yeah. I it's funny because so there's a guy named Frankie Molinero who I know a decent like I've met. He's hung out. He's actually trained here. I went to school with his cousin, and he was like, "Dude, Kale, when he ties up with you." And now this was like a decade ago, but he's like, "When he ties up with you, it's like you just have this weight on your neck that you just you can't do anything. Like you literally just can't move." Well, don't they teach now when someone grabs your neck, you just go with it instead yeah, of fighting much. it? Yeah. And it's just like, I'm not even going to resist yeah, you. Yeah, then you just take a shot off of it, Yeah, basically. I wouldn't know. I didn't wrestle. Um, either or. Are you ready for this one? Uh-oh. Go ahead, Jason. Abajayev? Overrated. Abajayev, 100% overrated. Ooh. 100%. That's an easy one. 
that's like, dude, oh, oh, we want to train Bulgarian. You take a lot of drugs and we just mow down athletes. Like he's a Bulgarian butcher. Like it's not, it, it's so ridiculous that people still like aggrandize what he did. It's, it's just a joke. Hate him. I, I mean, I, dude, Dr. B used to talk about him and be like, he, he didn't, he was like, he couldn't think. Like he literally was like, he could not think about better ways to do his stuff. Like his training system was as simple as it came because he had, he would blast tons and tons and tons of drugs. Again, mow people down, bring in the next guy. He's like, he couldn't actually develop people based off of a sensible training system. He sucks. All right. And people are going to be all offended. Oh, are you kidding Good. me? Like, yeah, should be offended. Sometimes the truth hurts. Correct. Yeah. All right. Either or, you ready for this one? Yeah, this is good. This one's pop culture. This one should be fun. I think I know what you're going to answer. Ghostface Killer or Raekwon the Chef? Either or? Yeah, you have to pick one. You can't. Ghostface. Wow. Dude, I've been on a big kick lately with Ghostface and just. Now, Raekwon's amazing, but I think there's like a, a very recent amount of music that ghostface has put out that people are just not counting like actually uh, enjoying it i have a, dude. No, buckingham palace is one of the i think it came out in like 2019 the song's freaking unreal i have another question Raekwon's great too though. is only built for cuban links a raekwon album or is it a raekwon and ghostface album a raekwon and ghostface all album. right I was, just, I was just curious what you what you thought about that <laughs> um Tony, you ready to Tony do the Starks. the uh, audience questions? Yeah, let's go. All right. This one's from Discord. Um, can't say this name out loud. It's it's very... Uh, Offensive? Yeah, it's funny, though. It's like it's a good play on words. Um, what happens after the summit realization phase? Do you transition into another exposure and restart? If so, how long should you wait before restarting? That's a great question. So I would go the summit phase for four weeks. I'd hit realization phase for anywhere from one to three weeks. And then if you compete and your season's over, you know, you you take like I'd say a week off. Maybe you take a week off, you don't do anything. Then you take another week where you sort of putz around in the gym and then you go back to exposure phase. Dude, we have some times where athletes will just take off like five days, six days from training and then they come right back in and we go back into an exposure phase. And then I think that's typically going to be the best way to do it. If you have, um, if you're in a team sport and you hit a summit phase, I would try to hit that summit phase and then maybe go back to like comprehension and like modify it based off of the, the season. Nice. That person who asked, I'm pretty sure they're a basketball player too. Okay. So they'd be in season. Um, another discord one. Oh, join our discord and our subreddit too. Yeah. Do all that cool stuff. Uh, this one's liquidarity. Um, and join the YouTube lives Tuesday at 9 yeah. a.m. And get your swole shirt too, right? Absolutely, yeah. So I think someone asked on the Discord about getting a swole shirt in the podcast. And I'm like, eh, I don't think it's going to happen. The audience isn't quite the same. Somebody actually <laughs> complained that the shirt showed up and it wasn't entirely white. It was it was sand, the sand one, so we sent them the wrong one. Uh-oh. But they, were, they, they still appreciated it. All right. Um, Liquidarity's question off of Discord: Why does Dane demo every lift in sock and he running shoes? Because he's vegan, didn't you know this? I've been using my Asics no. lately, though. Oh, but yeah, I Asics. do have the the uh, 
That's what yeah. you would always tell me. The Saucony vegan shoes. I dude, I it's funny because I just bought another pair of my Asics and I actually told Caitlin like I'm thinking about cycling between the Asics and the Saucony Jazz like going back and forth. On videos like, or with like, just in general because I I actually feel like the Saucony's it's like it's like my version of a barefoot shoe. Okay. I always feel like it the first three days that I wear them, I'll have back pain, and then all of my pain in my back or my knees goes away. I don't know. It's just, and I like the style. I'm a real big style guy. Yeah, I was going to say, you basically wear sleeveless, sleeveless shirts. And, every day. <laughs> and silly polos every now and then yeah. with some other country written on yeah. them. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. So the best coaches have a system. Hold you accountable. Yeah. Um, don't attack the character. Yep. Will hold and by account like set goals. Teach you how to reach those goals. Yeah, and just create a stable environment that that yeah. also just perpetuates a positive culture. That's an intensely positive culture. Yeah, I think those are all the keys. I will. Since you said that comment, uh, one of the. First things when I started training here, when I was like old and too old to be training, but serious about it, no one ever told me you couldn't do that. It was like, all right, how? Yeah, yeah, it was all, yeah, yeah, for and sure. That goes for everyone who comes in here. All right, well, how? Yeah, let's go. This is the plan. This is how to make it happen. Yeah. And what's funny is like, I didn't get as strong as I probably could have if I was younger, but I hit the numbers I wanted to yeah, hit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When I came yeah. in, like in my mind, what I said was like, all right, did it, done. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. It's like it's like recognize that anything's possible as long as you're following that system. Yeah. Head over to peakstrength.app, the Google Play Store, the Apple iOS store. You can pick up Peak Strength today for seven free days of training. You can cancel at any time, but the worst thing that's going to happen, you're going to get five free workouts. And until next time, guys, peace. Later. All right, Dane, you're going to be.